Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI-audio's on-air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the host of today's show, Ramya Amuthan. You know, the one thing about taking days off and adding Fridays into the weekend and Mondays into the weekend, it's amazing. It's fun. You get the extra long weekend vibe. But the one thing that gets me is doesn't matter. But if it's any more than just the weekend off, I come back and I'm like, is this the level I like my microphone? Is this the level I like my headphones? My arms where they need to be on the keyboard. All these little tiny things that make it feel like I've been off for a very long time and I'm coming back and I have to readjust to the norm of a five-day work week. It's strange and I'm definitely not complaining, just putting that out there. But, you know, it's a, it's a thing. Hosting with me today, do you have these moments? Because now obviously you're on the show less than Kelly and I are. You, you help us uh, backfill for co-hosting. So when you sit in front of the microphone at your home setup, do you have this, hmm, moment or do you just, are you more adaptive than I am? No, every time. And the thing that I can't figure out is if I walk away from my setup for about an hour, I come back and everything seems to have changed. And I'm not yeah. sure there's, I think there are little gremlins in my computer or something. <laughs> They're just, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm just, you know, not saying it right. I, but uh, may, uh, this is just a big shout out to our Matt Agnew who That's seems right. to magically be able to solve problems out of thin air. I don't know how he does it, but I am so grateful that he does because mm-hmm. he really can uh, can make it what looks like an impossible situation look very smooth. So uh, many yeah. thanks to our Matt Agnew and his magical touch. <laughs> well, there's a lot of technical teamwork that goes on behind the scenes. That's Eliza right. Rocco joining us today as well for teching the show and Matt Agnew, senior producer, helping behind the scenes always to troubleshoot. So with those thanks and love going out, let's also find out what's coming up on today's edition of Kelly and Company. Brock Richardson of the Neutral Zone. He's joining us, of course, for our weekly sports talk. That's to start off every Monday. We chat with Sean Priest, host of Sean of the Shed, a podcast giving those new to the world of technology a helping hand. It's going to be a fun convo with Sean. I believe it's the first time we've ever had him here on Kelly and Company. Also, orientation and mobility specialist Mark Rankin is joining us later in the second hour, talking about environmental inaccessibilities for people with disabilities. There's a ton out there. You've got a list. I've got a list. But he wants to talk about the tools out there now, making it a bit easier, at least, to deal with these inaccessibilities. Looking forward to that one, sharing that conversation with you all. Now, it's Monday. It's October 24th. We have a lot of things going on in Ontario. Let's start with it being municipal election day in Ontario with voters uh, casting their ballots. This clip is a a bit late, but starting at 10 a.m. today, started casting our ballots in communities across the province. Polls in Toronto and other major cities will open at 10 a.m. and close at 8 p.m., with some variation across municipalities. Some high-profile mayoral incumbents like Toronto's John Tory and Brampton's Patrick Brown are seeking to hold on to elected office. Other races will see a change at the mayoral level, like in Ottawa, where outgoing Mayor Jim Watson is not seeking re-election. 
Andrea Horvath, who led the provincial New Democrats through four elections, is making a bid for mayor of Hamilton, where she was first elected to city council in 1997. Emily Jovesky, The Canadian Press, Toronto. So there's lots of information out there. Um, if you need more on your ward, on the candidates running, on their history, what they're representing, you can actually check out the My Vote app. There's all the information there as well, so you can make some informed decisions uh, on your voting for today. But Danielle, of course, it's just perfect that you're here co-hosting. It's Know Your Rights Day and Election Day in Ontario. Yes, it is. And it is also Diwali, which is it a is. wonderful celebration featuring delicious food. Anything that features delicious food is perfectly fine with me. Um, and one of the questions that uh, I've seen asked in the media is, why would you hold an election on a holiday? Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, how people choose to celebrate Diwali is, is, you know, differs from community to community. And of course, many communities don't celebrate Diwali, but others do. Um, and we have had a big question about should governments, specifically governments, be more cautious about setting dates? Should they find out, you know, what is happening, in, you know, in the uh, religious calendars or in the celebratory calendars, whether they're religious or not, and try to avoid those dates. Um, now, you have mentioned to me that that your family celebrates Diwali in, in its own way, but that you've never taken a holiday for that date. Is that right, Ramya? Mm-hmm. It's... It's kind of, I don't know if awkward is necessarily the the word I would use to describe it, but it's one of these days where you're celebrating, but you're almost thinking it's not a full celebration. It's it's not warranted an entire day off. And maybe that's coming with the biases of, will people understand if I take the volley off, right? That, that's yeah. just an internal question. Now, there are other non Christian holidays. And I I use that as the basis because uh, we have Christmas off. It's a stat holiday, right? And Easter as well. And Easter, exactly. So Good Friday, you know, these kind of uh, things that are more widely recognized, even if you're not recognizing it personally or with the New Year families. Um, But Diwali is not one of those, along with many other uh, religious occasions. But because of that, I kind of sit on the fence about whether I would say I celebrate Diwali or not simply because of that question. You know, am I taking the day off? Are we taking part in the celebrations? It would be lovely too, but it's like, is that okay? Yeah. And then it's strange well, to, to ask that, but it, it really is um, the, the core of it. It's a very interesting question because actually, Ramya, it's a human rights question. Uh, mm. You, the, the, you know, our our country uh, acknowledges and respects a wide diversity of religious faiths, and the question is, who gets to tell you how to practice your own religion? And the answer can range anywhere from you know the your your imam or your guru or your rabbi or your priest or your mother. And in most houses, the answer comes down to it's Definitely your mom. She, t- yeah, she tells you, she tells you how it's done and what to cook and, and, and all the rest of that. Certainly right. it was that in, in my house. Um, but, 
you know, the government isn't one of the people or one of the groups that, that should have the right to tell you how and when to practice your faith. And um, so a lot of people are left with a, a very uncomfortable sense that, you know, that the Christian way is is the Canadian way, since we have these obligatory holidays. And yet sure. others want to practice their faiths and they feel, you know, that they'll somehow be centered out or that they will look as if they're shirking work or, or, or something like that. That's not the way it's meant to work. Um, you know, Diwali, I know that in certain communities is extremely important. Not only that, it's a lot of fun. Um, right. And it involves all sorts of excitement like fireworks and beautiful clothing and delicious food. Uh, Environment Canada has just sent out a warning uh, with regard to air quality across parts of Toronto and surrounding areas. They're saying that the air uh, quality could deteriorate tonight as expected Diwali fireworks combined with stagnant weather conditions. Yeah. So it's a little bit concerning because so far as I know and others, They've never um, sent out this kind of warning with regard to uh, Victoria Day or um, you know, Canada Day. Yeah. So, now, maybe it's just because it coincides with a, a temperature inversion. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But it makes a lot of people on uh, social media particularly extremely suspicious that yes. these fireworks are somehow different from the uh, the ones that the rest of Canada celebrates just just a question just a question and one that will um require some thinking some thought Mm -hmm. on our end danielle thank you very interesting conversations as always with danielle mclaughlin and more to come when we get to know your rights later 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 in the show now michael babcock is featuring a lot of tech news for us and that's after the break on kelly and company This is Kelly and Company on a Monday afternoon, and I'm actually seeing some sun around here. That's really nice. There was a lot of sun over the weekend in GTA area, at least. Um, But it's nice because we have had weeks of cloud coverage, so it's nice to have sun. I know that we have difference of opinions in the community, at least. If Kelly was here, he'd say he'd love the he loves the cloud, but he's not here. So we're celebrating the sun. <laughs> I'm Ramia Amuthan and co-hosting with me as Kelly's taking the day off is Danielle McLaughlin. We're doing a lot of flip-flopping with uh, myself, Kelly, and all of our backup co-hosts right now. So just stay tuned day by day to see who's co-hosting the show and hosting the show. But now some things stay the same. And that is on Mondays, we like to talk tech with our friend Michael Babcock. It's time for Talking Tech with Michael, bringing you a shot of technology news to get your week going with sprinkles of assistive technology. And I think I just stole someone's intro. You did, but that's all right. (laughs) She just rolled right into it. I was waiting for Danielle. And I'm like, oh, no, Romeo's taking it all. (laughs) Well, she's just so relaxed about it. I think it was the sunshine. It's like I've I've done this before. Yeah, I'll, so. I'll celebrate that sunshine with you guys too. Don't worry, I like the oh, sunshine. Good. It, it, me it, it too. rejuvenates me. 
Yes, it makes you feel like you can go outside and play and everything's going to be good, right? (laughs) Michael, how are you? I am doing well. Uh, Quick follow-up from last week, Rumia. I don't know if, Danielle, you heard it, but I uh, decided that it would be smart to drill a hole in my desk and then mention it on the show to see if my (laughs) wife listens. She does not listen to the show, by the way. (laughs) But... But I learned that because Michael was smart and decided, well, I don't know. I mean, that's opinionated. I called her and told her before she got home because I'm like, well, at least you'll have a couple hours to calm down before she gets home. <laughs> right? How big is that hole, Michael? It's um enough to fit some cables through. I- I'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> but but so not it's an, it's just it d- the cables. It doesn't just go right through the floor or anything like that. No, just through the desk, just through the desk. I didn't, I didn't poke any holes in the floor. And she said, "Well, it's your desk. If it falls apart, that's your problem, oh. not mine." <laughs> Smart answer. Yeah, I was going to yep. say, I, I, I'm with her. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to get to your topics after the the holes in the desk. Um, Access World September issue is now out. Uh, what's a good overview of the articles published in this month's issue, Mike? So one of these days, I'm going to keep myself all situated and coordinated because now October's out too. So we're going to cover September and October real quick. Uh, And so if anyone is interested, you can read the full articles at AFB. That's A like Alpha, F like Frank, B like Bravo, dot org slash AW for Access World. And in October, and I'll get to September in a moment, there was a couple of, of initiatives related to employment and studies and technology used in employment. So you'll want to check that out. And then uh, this one really intrigued me. It's an article about using some AI glasses and bypassing the retina with sound waves um, so you can see with sound. And I thought that was very intriguing. Uh, There was also a Eschenbach uh, Haas call that uh, is a way to securely, and by securely, I I really mean securely, they send you a suitcase with padlocks on it, uh, be able to do a uh, vision assessment to see what tools would be valuable for you, but in a remote environment. And they're using an iPad to facilitate this connected to a uh, HIPAA compliant uh, video chat. So you can chat with someone about your needs and then test out the different magnifiers and ways that you can uh, get information uh, for your sight loss. And then they also talked about, well, the big uh, uh, the big news, which is iOS 16 that was released this fall. So if you want more details about that, by the way, a quick side note, iOS 16.1 was released today as well mm-hmm. as the latest uh, Mac OS as well. Uh, last month, they talked about uh, changing your your the way that web pages show up to a screen reader user by disabling uh, style sheets, which might sound a little more advanced, but it, it really made me think, hey, that could be interesting to try that out on sites that might not be as accessible as I expect them to be. I'm thinking of your website where I have to hover my mouse over the link to get the menu to pop up. And uh, mm-hmm. they also talked about the uh, developer of Hearthstone 2 access 
this to be able to get blind or sight impaired individuals access to the Hearthstone game. They wrapped up the uh, Far Out event from Apple, which we've all heard plenty about. And then they demonstrated the uh, Real Sam Pocket phone, which is intriguing. It's a touchscreen uh, interface that was put on top of a Samsung phone. Uh, so that that is a good article. And then they wrapped up last month's article with information about the Fire TV recast. So if you want to pick up local analog stations and bring them into your home and not have to pay uh, monthly fees to be able to get access to that, you can do so with the recast from Fire. Very nice. Lots of great updates on Access World, which is why we love it. Um, Apple, you mentioned the software update, but they also released some new devices last week. What was announced? <laughs> yeah, so they announced a new iPad. Uh, they, they announced a couple of new iPads. The iPad Pro, uh, they, they have updated that with the, I believe, the M2 chip in there. And then they've also dropped the home button from the standard iPad. They've encompassed what has been in the iPad Air, and that is Touch ID in the lock button. So you still have Touch ID. You don't have to worry about using your face to unlock your iPad, but it is side-to-side, top-to-bottom, a, a flat sheet of glass, and you would use some of the gestures that are available in Face ID devices, such as your phone and uh, other things, to be able to swipe up with one finger to get home or swipe up and hold to get to the uh, um, app switcher. So that's one thing. Then they released something that was very intriguing because I didn't know that I wanted this and I don't necessarily know if I do, but they released <laughs> know, a new Apple one. TV. <laughs> yeah, a new Apple TV that's 50% lighter because you know, the weight oh. of the Apple TV is something I've been concerned about. <laughs> and it's also thinner as well. Uh, but, but, all joking aside, though, one of the things they have uh, added to the Apple TV is the thread technology. So as we move into more of a smart home environment, the Apple TV can be the backbone of uh, connecting everything and bridging the different technologies. So if you're using Google Home and you're using the A-Lady and other devices that might not be compatible with either of those, the Apple TV can facilitate those connections so that way everyone can talk well together. But I, I had oh, to laugh. 50% yeah. lighter, 50% really? Yeah, I <laughs> know yeah, that part really though. But uh, this communication between all the other home mm -hmm. environment, that sounds like an actual... Uh, acceptable upgrade like very yes. very beneficial even for myself i have echoes everywhere and google homes everywhere and i i don't even know what to use and what not to use and what to <laughs> click when i'm on spotify or trying to airplay it's ridiculous so if you're saying the apple tv can help facilitate that's beneficial yeah, quick quick deviation from that a little bit. I have been playing, I've mentioned it a couple of times, that I have a Raspberry Pi um, upstairs. Mm -hmm. Only one right now. Yes, only one. Uh, but, but what I've started playing with is an open source tool called Home Assistant. And that allows you to, um, I plug, I got it all set up and it pulled in every smart device in my house, which by the way, oh. there are a lot more than I thought there was. <laughs> kind of scary. Uh, even is, the, yeah. the Bluetooth lights that, that we picked up from Amazon for 20 bucks, it, it pulled those in. But here's what really intrigued me. Uh, on the dashboard that you get with the web page, it was able to tell me that I have 9% of my ink left in my cyan cartridge on my printer. And that's information that wouldn't have been accessible to me yes. because it's just displayed on the printer screen. But Home Assistant can pull that info in. So it's really intriguing what's what's happening. 
Holy smoke. Now you, can you figure out who's listening to you and what they want to know? <laughs> I'll see about that. Oh. <laughs> they want everything. Yes. Wow. Okay. Now, you wanted to remind listeners about an IRA promo that ends on the 31st of October, which is next week. Uh, what do yeah. listeners need to know? Yeah. So if you have played around with the Envision glasses or the uh, Blind Shell Classic 2, you may or may not realize that Ira is offering a promotion which gives users 200 free minutes. So if you are a Blind Shell customer or an uh, Envision Glasses customer, you want to be able to get everything all connected to Ira uh, before next Monday. Because as of next Monday, you will no longer, well, I guess next Tuesday because it ends on Monday, you'll no longer be able to get that promotion. And I, I will tell you, 200 minutes can go a long ways. It might not sound like a lot, but when your tasks are, you know, two or three minutes and you, you even without paying, get five minutes free every 24 hours, 200 minutes can, can last you quite a while. So go get those uh, promotions uh, before they expire, because that's, that's definitely helpful for a lot of users. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. Now, you also have some content on the Blind Shell Classic 2 that's being recorded what are some of these videos and how do we get access to them? Well, I'm glad you remembered to ask me that because I totally forgot about it. So payon.live, <laughs> P-A-Y-O-W-N.live will take you to my YouTube channel. Uh, on there, between Demasi and myself, we've got about 32 or 33 videos going from inserting the battery and, well, going from what's in the box to inserting the battery and SIM card to showing people how to set up uh, favorites in the internet radio and text messages. And the, the goal of these videos was to create easily consumable content. Honestly, who reads the manuals? So we thought, <laughs> why don't we just create some quick, short videos so people can be able to consume them? Kind of like this other person you have coming on later on in the show, uh, Sean of the Shed. Anyways, you know, so you can you can you can consume those and get them at the YouTube channel again, payon P-A-Y-O-W-N dot live. Wow. Okay, now there's this floating question that we always have at the end of our scripts that we never, ever get to because, you know, Kelly's always leading us astray. But because he's not here, we have like a couple seconds if you have any information on upcoming training going on in the community anywhere. Yeah, I want to mention two real quick, well, three real quick. Tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern on ACB Community Calls. Uh, I will be hosting with my co-host Marty the unmute calls that we host every week where we can answer your questions. You bring your tech questions, we'll be glad to answer them. Uh, Thursday, Blindshell USA does their uh, talking points. It's a call you can get information about at blindshellusa.com. And they talk all about the Blindshell and can answer questions and, and help with training on it. And then every Monday. Today was the first one. There's a Blind Shell 101 class where they take you through the basics of the Blind Shell phone and they are walking you through that and answering, of course, your questions as well. So uh, that's a quick overview of those events that's coming up. Great. Thank you so much, Michael. Um, and we'll see you next week when you do your Halloween tech talk. <laughs> it sounds like a plan. You guys have a beautiful show. Bye-bye now. All right. Well, Mike will be back next Monday, and it's always fun chatting with him, getting to know all the different things to keep an eye out for in the community when it comes to technology. And after the break, we're talking sports in case you want to get some updates on what's going on there. Brock Richardson has that for us on Kelly and Company.
We'll be back with more of Kelly and Company after this short break. There's always so much going on in the world of technology. We get these tidbits with Michael Babcock and Mike Fair and John Beeler and then, you know, all of our tech shows all over AMI-audio as well and podcasts. Um, but it's just brilliant that the community spreads wonderful info this way and holds these support groups, whether it be podcasts or um, other kinds of support, like the the call, the unmute call that... Um, Michael was talking about in the last segment. It's just fun. And I think back to when we used to have our conversations with the late Tom Decker weekly on the show as well. And how much like it was 18 minutes of conversation and it would never end. You know, there was always stuff left on the table. It's so much more than um, how much communication there used to be and how much option there used to be as well with adaptive technology and accessibility and who do you go to if you have this question. Uh, it's just wonderful because the support is everywhere and there's lots of it. You know, there's not, it, it's not just if you're a blind person, you got to use this phone or this kind of computer or this method of communication. Um, you can <laughs> browse now and you can go to different people and you can have combinations of access for your your own needs, which is fantastic. There's always lots going on in the world of sports as well. So let's bring on Brock Richardson of the Neutral Zone to find out more. As a former athlete, I eat, sleep, and breathe everything sports. I'm Brock Richardson. Join me every Monday for your weekly sports highlights and our take on the weekend action. Brock, before we get to sports, do you prefer it sunny or cloudish? Cloudy. Uh, oh, that's not even a question. Sunny it is all okay. the time. Yeah. Okay. So, so far it's Kelly and then everybody else on the other side. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> seems about normal. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Brocky. Uh, you always start with some kind of leadoff items in the sports realm. What's going on? Yes, I got two leadoff items for you. First one is that uh, we know that the Canadian blind hockey team took on the United States in a series in Fort Wayne, Indiana. They won the three games by a score of seven to one in the first one, five to one in the second one, seven to one in the third game, with a total uh, outscoring their team nineteen to two in the three games. So congratulations to Team Canada for that and uh, having success at the second ever uh, Canadian and United States uh, championship. And then the second item is one that I thought I would bring to you guys because I know Danielle loves this kind of stuff when you talk about uh, controversy and things like that. So I have one just for Danielle. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Anytime. Uh, Simone Halep, who is a uh, 
tennis player won the 2022 Canadian Open, and she has been provisionally suspended and cannot compete in any sanctioned events after testing positive with a drug test. She took a drug called Roke Duxcat, which is a drug that treats symptoms of uh, people who have kidney failure and things like that. And she said she says she, she didn't even realize she took it. This goes against her morals and values. And she will win the fight and prove that it wasn't her. Now, I, as a former athlete, guys, I have a lot to say regarding this. Uh, for one, I think if you take a drug, you should know what drugs are going in and out of your body. This is a drug that is specifically designed to help uh, individuals with kidney failure. And so I was looking, is there any other drug that it's in? The answer to the question is no. It is a specific drug to help uh, develop red blood cells. And that's it. I have a hard time believing that she wasn't aware of this. Um, If she does have kidney failure, which we don't know, uh, then there are things called therapeutic use exemption forms, which we've talked about on the program before, which you'd get your doctor to fill out, and then you would go on from there. I, I'm, I don't really buy this, this reasoning of it goes against my morals and values because you should, as an athlete, know what is going in your body, when, where, and how. Danielle, I'll let you go first. I know you love... This kind of stuff. <laughs> you're you're right, and I actually I, I agree with you. I mean, it seems to me rather odd not to know when you're taking a, a a relatively powerful drug, you know, that you're taking it and what its purpose is. Um, if it's to develop red blood cells, you can see pretty quickly why it might be a banned substance. Uh, so far as sport is concerned, mm-hmm. except of course if. you know, it is for a person who who requires the drug for a a therapeutic purpose, then chances are they they don't have sufficient blood cell, red blood cells um, to begin with, which is why, you know, it it shouldn't actually matter as long as it's a prescribed drug for a particular therapeutic purpose. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. Um, You know, it's probably, I mean, as an adult, you should be aware of whatever it is you've been prescribed um, and what its purpose is, and whether, uh, you know, y- you should be asking a lot of questions, in fact, in my in my opinion, about any kinds of medication that you take, even if it's over the counter, you should know whether it's a prohibited substance for your particular sport or not. It seems quite peculiar to me, Brock. Yes, it totally is. And I think the other thing is uh, that this drug does treat is anemia which is uh, mm-hmm. something that a lot of people do have um, but it's which is iron deficiency for those that don't know it's it's so simple to me because as an athlete you know you you'd get a, uh, any kind of drug from a doctor or over the counter and the first thing you do is you turn over the label and you say what is in this before I ingest it and if you're not sure if something is a banned substance or not, then you have what a wonderful online service in which you type in what sport you play. So in this case, it's tennis. And then you would type in the drug or any kind of ingredients that go along with that drug. And it will either say 
one of three things banned banned in competition banned out of competition or banned altogether so there's four different categories that this will fall in it's a very simple process and doesn't take more than let's say 90 seconds to two minutes to go on the online portal and say is this illegal is it not is yeah. there a practice of that though do you think brock i mean you know so many of us live with allergies with different accommodations and needing uh medication for all kinds of things so do you believe that people are taking that 90 seconds like is it in not just encouraged but you know pushed across competitive sport um to to do that no matter what it is that you're taking or being prescribed that you need to check the 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 banned list i mean and that goes for like protein powders too no like everything everything yeah, that you're ev- taking needs absolutely to be. everything yeah. that you ingest and and i mean i'll use the example of uh marijuana when i was a high level competitive athlete that was not legal in canada and mm-hmm. news newsflash it's not legal as an athlete even if you are one and you would take um modules and tests that would happen and they'd say if you're caught with this even in your hair follicles it falls on you and the excuse of it wasn't me who smoked it isn't going to fly i mean we took yearly modules and they would basically scare the pants off you guys and say (laughs) if you if you take drugs and if you are caught therefore we are going we have the right to basically take your name in the media and say this person took a drug without doing the right things and therefore they are no longer an athlete this this individual is an athlete um not in north america but i would imagine that the standards are pretty well the same and if you're not taking that extra due diligence well i i i question your desire to want to you know play fairly sports Mm. because if if you do want to play fairly which she says she does in her statement that it goes against her morals and values well then take that extra 90 seconds to two minutes and look it up because it really is that simple and like i said i can't speak for athletes out of this country or north america but i know that here it is drilled in you like you wouldn't believe so for me as a former athlete i really don't have a lot of time and space for situations like this yeah all right, well, let's get to a couple other things. Thanks for bringing those two items. Um, first of all, Toronto Blue Jays manager John Schneider was recently extended to a three-year deal with a club option on the fourth year. So what's your reaction to this news? Uh, my reaction is the following. I think that he deserves this chance. He played about uh, half the season, or he was manager for about half the season and had a 600 winning percentage which is above 500 so this is a guy who deserves the opportunity i think he's a mix between a player's manager and a hard uh but uh, as a manager i think this is exactly what this team needs uh, moving forward i think they need a bit of let's have some fun but let's also have someone that holds us accountable on top of that so Good, good news, and uh, yeah, we'll see what the Toronto Blue Jays can do over the next three or four years. Well, I remember, was it 30 years ago when they won the World Series? That was... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, yeah. it was. It, it, it was, was a, a little party. while ago. 
Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> it wasn't as long as the Toronto Maple Leafs, however, though. No, so. that's true. Yeah. So what do you have for us in the National Football League, Brock? Uh, so in the National Football League, it's uh, been a, a pretty uh, busy uh, couple of weeks, I think, for the New York Jets uh, being 5-2. and two. This is kind of a surprise. Nobody expected that of the New York Jets. I think their quarterback, uh, Zach Wilson, has looked really, really good. He's young. He's uh, he's up and coming. But, he, you know, you need a guy who's young and kind of can say, okay, I can, I can feel the spotlight and I can handle this. They did have a, a big injury to Brees Hall, who suffered an ACL injury. This will be a big loss as he's been – a lot of their running, like he's, he's done a lot of their running, and once he gets the pass, he runs for yards and yards, which you need in football. So we'll see how they do. Uh, but so far, 5-2 and two is, uh, is pretty good. Great. So we have just a moment, but can we finish with NHL hockey? How is Canada looking overall in the early going of the season? Uh, well, I, I Canada is looking really well. I think if you're looking for... Uh, a team that is, you know, fun to watch. Expectations are a little bit lower on this team, but the Ottawa Senators, with a record of 3-3, three and three, have been really exciting to watch. They've had uh, wins over Boston and Washington, which nobody expected. Uh, both Boston and Washington are very good teams. Their third win is uh, against the uh, Phoenix Coyotes, which is uh, basically like a college uh, team for the NHL, so that's a win that uh, should be had, but their other two wins were against teams that uh, were very good. If you're looking for a game tonight to watch, you've got the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Edmonton Oilers, which is Connor McDavid versus Sidney Crosby, so lots of uh, good stuff coming out of hockey at the moment. Sounds like a lot of action. Are, have you decided what you're watching tonight? I will probably watch that uh, that Pittsburgh Edmonton uh, game as well. So, be be exciting to watch because those are two iconic players that you know you just you want to keep an eye on, and and they're both very fun to watch. That's great to know, Brock. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, Brock Richardson of the Neutral Zone, which you can check out on. Tuesdays released as a video podcast and of course um, on your favorite podcast platform you can check it out as well coming up after the break we're going to talk to Sean Priest host of Sean of the Shed this is a podcast giving those new to the world of technology a helping hand we'll find out more about that after the break Thanks for kicking the week off with us here on Kelly and Company. You can listen as you're probably doing now on AMI-audio or your favorite uh, AMI-tv channels, wherever you're located across Canada. But also, if you miss anything on the show or just think it's nice to share this content, you can visit your favorite podcast platform and find us there. We are available in full show format or segment format also. I'm Ramia Amudin here with Danielle McLaughlin, and we've been talking a lot of technology already. So to keep you posted on 
new AMI content and initiatives and everything that goes on here around the network. We've dedicated this segment on Mondays to that. And we're talking about our, one of our AMI audio podcasts, Sean of the Shed. Sean Priest is the host of that show. And in this podcast, um, which is now offered also as a new video podcast on YouTube, Sean gives those new to the world of technology a bit of a helping hand with everything from using screen reader to uh, smart speaker use to unboxing and starting a new computer. All kinds of stuff is talked about in this shed. So joining us from Manchester, right now live is Sean Priest. Sean, am I lying? Is this the first time you're on Kelly and Company with us? It is, yes. I'm so honoured. It sounds so funky and cool. I think I'm too old to be on this show. (laughs) (laughs) We give everybody an opportunity to prove themselves as young and funky. (laughs) But you know, right at the break, before we brought you on, um, we were talking Sean of the Shed, and Danielle goes, what is this shed? So I realized, yeah, not everybody may know what your shed is. Now, describe to us that this is, yes, a real shed, first of all, but but what is it? What's the context of this podcast? That way. Yeah, it, it does sound weird, doesn't it? Sean of the Shed. Well, uh, I have my studio, my uh, audio studio set up in my garden shed at the bottom of my garden. And people seem to be really intrigued by this. Um, and therefore, it, it sort of it grew really into Sean of the Shed, the audio podcast uh, that I started off doing. And, and, yeah. and really, that came about because um, I'm, I'm in this sort of bubble where I just sort of make assumptions that people know about certain technologies that are out there that I find so useful every day. You know, there's things that I use, such as seeing AI or Ira or Be My Eyes. I, I, I roll out with these app names, expecting people to know exactly what I'm talking about and, you know, that mm. they use them as well. And as I was talking to people, I found out that actually, no, not everyone does know. You know, people are coming to technology as a visually impaired or blind person uh, for the first time, maybe. You know, not everyone's been uh, in this um this, this sort of ecosystem for as long as as we may have and uh yeah someone's always coming to either technology as as uh, someone who hasn't used technology before or at least coming to technology as someone who's new to sight loss and um that's how it started anyway i wanted just to give people a, you know an intro a, a step-by-step guide as to some of the things that we use every day that technology can really help us with yeah, and I guess the shed puts you in that headspace, right? To really break down technology. <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> the, the spot for it, for real. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was around when it became the phenomenon on Double Tap. And speaking of which, you're still hosting on Double Tap with Stephen Scott. So can you break down maybe the role that you have on that show, if you've thought about it like that, uh, compared to Shaun of the Shed? On Double Tap Daily, I, yeah, I make the tea, uh, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, I somebody has to do that, Sean. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. It's a job. Um, I try and get the the odd word in where I can when Stephen takes a breath. Um, no, yeah, I, I, I co-host the show with Stephen Scott. Stephen is an amazing broadcaster, and I just sort of hold on for dear life as he uh, as he drives the show. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Double Tap Daily actually has become really interesting because you know it's it's a show that we used to do every week and 
we came to think, you know what, I think there is enough out there that we can talk about that we could do this every day. And some people weren't sure, and sometimes I wasn't sure there was enough out there. But it turns out there absolutely is. And we could talk for hours, as we usually do, even off air. So, um, yeah, I, I love doing Double Tap every day with Stephen. He's great. Lovely. What makes Sean of the Shed different other than it's you all by yourself? <laughs> well, as shed. I said, <laughs> I love being by myself. Um, <laughs> it is the the introduction side of it. Now, when I started in audio, wow, a good few months ago now, I did really kick off with, you know, uh, answering some of the questions that I've been asked before from people who are totally new, either, as I said, to sight loss or technology, you know, how do I actually go about using a computer, let's say, or let alone a smartphone, when I can't see the screen? You know, these are all questions we've asked ourselves as we've lost sight a little. I know I did. So that's the difference. This is double tap. We're going through, you know, current uh, news and technology that's coming up. With Shaun of the Shed, it's um, it's a, more of a guide. It's it's an introduction to tech and how tech can help you. And now that we've moved on to, or I've moved on to YouTube, um, it's just trying to hit a, a, a wider audience. It's, it's, you know, trying to hit as many platforms as we can because uh, it's just trying to help as many people as we can. Because this technology, I know I keep going on, I am a bit of an evangelist about it. It's so important and it does, it makes your life easier. Yeah. Yeah, of course it does. And uh, I was saying earlier, harping on about how much there is out there. There's so much and you, you have combinations of things and, uh, you know, platforms that you can make work together for you in all these different fantastic ways. But what do you find difficult to cover? Is, is it as simple as, you know, if you don't use it, you have to go through it and uh, learn it that way. But how do you approach the difficulties of covering um, tech, or I would maybe to flip that. How do you approach covering challenging tech, whatever that means to you? Yeah, no, it's a really good question because there's always that. I find, I'll be honest with you, I put my hands up. I find that my audio content, I thought, went on a little bit too long. But then, if you don't, if you feel like you're missing a step. You feel like you're letting somebody down. I feel like I'm not giving people all the information. But if you go step by step, it's difficult to keep people interested as mm. well. So it's it's almost like a balancing act of keeping people engaged because some people I've I've spoken to in the past in different organizations say, ah, I'm not interested in technology. I, I couldn't do it. And it's those people that I'm really trying to trying to reach, you know, that the, the, honestly, if I can do it, Anybody can do it. And I'm not the only resource out there. There's lots of other resources. And all, everyone has their own different way of trying to get that information up, you know, across. And maybe someone won't like the way I do it or, or can't actually, um, or maybe I think that I'm not giving enough information, uh, which is fine. But I think that um, trying to do it in an entertaining way as well as an a informative way is the key. Well, Sean, when you consider how much you know about technology and what's out there compared to someone listening who may be new to blindness, what is the most important thing, do you think, to teach and to share with them? Ooh, now that's a deep question. You've thrown me under the bus there. Um... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. He's used no, to it with Stephen doing it all the time. That's Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> exactly right. But... Well, 
again, I think it's just the awareness of how much stuff is out there and, and that it, yeah. it doesn't... I grew up at a time where it was all specialist tech. When I, when I was losing my sight, it was uh, I was doing computers at, at college and I, I was always into my computing and programming. And then I started to lose my sight and it was just, well, mainstream tech was out. Now I've got to try and look for specialized tech. Right. And that's no longer the case. Now I can pick up, you know, any computer and get narrator running on a Windows PC or a voiceover on a Mac. You know, those days of, of feeling outside of the mainstream have gone. I think it's important that people know that, you know, hey, you can pick up your brothers, your friends, your sisters, your mums, your dad's iPhone and turn voiceover on and turn the vo uh, screen curtain on and totally confuse them. Um, but, you know... <laughs> I think it's important to know that accessibility now is far more integrated in mainstream than it used to be. And it's far more, uh, well, I suppose the word is accessible. Accessibility mm -hmm. is far more accessible than it yeah. used to be. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much more inclusion because it's true. I convinced my mom to get an iPhone because then I could help her out on her daily issues, tech <laughs> troubles, whatever. Um, but it's exactly what you said right i can pick up her phone and customize it to my abilities and turn it back off so that they can use it as it was um but it's interesting do you have someone you turn to like you talked about how there's all these resources out there it's definitely not just us talking tech and there's um i'm sure a ton of questions that you have or even with the approach like how you would word this demo this bring this subject up to somebody who's new to technology new to blindness do you have a mentor or a resource that you go to oh god don't make me say stephen scott please i, 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 was, um, I don't know open-ended <laughs> you know what uh, going going back to danielle's question there I, I i don't know everything about technology and and we all i mean we have a whatsapp group stephen and and lots of others and and we share the information. For example, you know, keyboard shortcuts. Does anyone know the keyboard shortcut for this? Because it's impossible to know everything, and there's nothing wrong with asking that question. Mm. So I, I must admit, I, I learn a lot from our listeners on Double Tap when they send in emails. You know, I'm, I'm quite happy to put my hands up and say, you know what, I have no idea how to do that. If you do, send us an email. So it's uh, the visually impaired community is great at sharing information and um yeah, I just I, I pick up everything from everyone because I'm not afraid to say, you know what, I don't have a clue because sometimes I don't. Right. right, exactly. That's why we all turn to each other. It's true. Like now you can Google a question and somebody out there on some maybe Reddit channel or other blind community um, is yes. giving you a suggestion, with it, which is so amazing. Like it feels so much smaller, the, the community now. Sean, thank you so much for spending some time with us. We really appreciate you coming on and uh, hopefully this won't be the last time you come on because then it'll be like just one appearance of Sean ever. Oh, no. Was that, is it all over now? Did I pass? <laughs> yeah. Can I come back? Did, yeah, you can, of course, come back. You're funky. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely Thanks not so too old, Sean. <laughs> no. Thank you. <laughs> You can check out Sean of the Shed, that's S-H-A-U-N of the Shed, as a video podcast or download um, well, that as a video podcast on YouTube or download from your favorite podcast platform as an audio pod. 
always fun checking in with our tech team all around AMI. In the next hour of Kelly and Company, we have O&M, Orientation and Mobility with Mark Rankin. Talking about technology a little bit in that convo too. Plus, we have Know Your Rights with Danielle McLaughlin and she's discussing changing health information, ever changing, always changing, and requirements for pandemic protection. Plus, after the break, this is, we have Community Report with Annette Dennis from Southwestern Ontario. We'll be back with that on Kelly and Company. More great talk, more fun, and more of Kelly and Company coming up after the break. We have The Pulse on AMI-audio, new episodes weekly with your host, Joita Gupta. And this Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 10.30 Pacific, uh, Joita speaks to American disability activist Jodia Hoyman. And they're discussing a new training opportunity for job speakers with disabilities. And this is offered by Fable Labs. See? Technology, it's the theme of the day. Uh, so Fable Labs is, Fable, Fable Tech Lab, sorry, is really another great resource and opportunities as well for people with disabilities to join some uh, incredible consulting. So that's a really good one. Check out The Pulse on AMI-audio and released as a video podcast on YouTube with Joita Gupta. I'm Rami Amadin here with Daniel McLaughlin and we're kicking off the second hour of Kelly and Company. Today, we have our community reporter, Annette Dennis, joining us from London, Ontario. Annette, how are you? I'm doing fairly well. How are you guys today? Well, it's sunny, and Rummy and I have uh, taken a vote and decided we really like sunny days. How about you? Oh, it's beautiful out there. You couldn't ask for a more perfect day. Oh, the air is so nice. <laughs> it really oh. is. It's just, it's just about perfect. Now, you've got a whole bunch of things to tell us about today. Can you tell us about Know Your Food? Yeah, yeah. So this is an event happening happening um, at the Western Fair District uh, here in London. It's called Grow, Eat, Understand, and it's taking place Saturday, November 5th. Um, it's free um, from doors open at 930 and the event itself is from 10 until 3. Now, they I just checked their website and they actually have sold out for the in-person event, which is unfortunate. Um, I did a bit of digging and apparently the space will hold 600, but they've limited it. They've capped it at 100 for just for safety reasons. So but the plus side is that will be they will be streaming it live. So folks can still um, enjoy enjoy all the speakers and the panel discussion. Um, and so basically a bit of background, the Middlesex London Food Policy Council is based, basically made up of all sorts of members representing all sorts of areas um, in the food system locally from production, distribution, government, um, education and uh, community members. So basically it's uh, going to be a fun way to um, to hear guest speakers and learn a little bit how our food um basically gets from from farm to table here locally and how we can support that. That sounds great. Uh, hey, yeah. does, is there any food involved? Well, the, the, for the in-person event, it does include a free lunch. Um, but okay. unfortunately, online, um, people will have to kind of do their own thing. But yeah, that's unfortunate. I was kind of disappointed when I found out it sold out so quickly. But 
But hey, it's um, I think you can um, sign up for their newsletter as well, and then maybe um, and be on the lookout for for upcoming. They sound like they have a really a lot of really interesting educational opportunities. Um, different, you know, collaborating here in London, and 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 again, this is a partnership with the Grove, which they did a seedling giving giveaway last spring. Um, so yeah, definitely keep keep this um, on the radar. And if folks have any questions or uh, want to register, um, the website is mlfpc.ca forward slash know your food, or it's just info at mlfpc.ca if you have any specific questions. Great. Amazing, Nanette. And we have lots more uh, reporting on some other events going on. So the next one is two public webinars, uh, the Indoor Vegetable Garden and Plants and more for the holidays online. These are being run online through the University of Saskatchewan. Absolutely. So I couldn't pick just one. So I thought, you know what, I'm going <laughs> to highlight both because they're both so cool. Um, so yeah. the first one is the Indoor Vegetable Garden. It's Thursday, November 10th. Um, from 7 to 9 p.m. Um, Saskatchewan time. And again, it's online via Zoom. It's $20 plus tax. So basically, um, the the presenter, the instructor for this course is going to um, teach participants how to set up a simple um, station to grow your own veggies, herbs, and microgreens throughout the winter months. Um, and so from Chris Veg, you know, you know, so you can enjoy their vegetables all year. And it sounds like it, it even if you're not an established gardener, that it, you might, you know, be able to take away uh, something from this. And for those who do sign up, you get uh, access to the recording for about a week. So you can go back and, and uh, maybe watch it again and take some notes, that sort of thing. So this I is really, really nice. Yeah, because I, I feel love like the it's idea. Of, sorry about that. I, no, I was no, just no. going to say an indoor vegetable garden is such a great idea, particularly, you know, in the middle of the snow and you think, mm -hmm. gee, I can still get some fresh vegetables. This is Oh, great. absolutely. And especially if you have a small space, you live in an apartment and, uh, you know, and the, the plus side is that A, you're learning and B, you're getting fresh food and it's uh, you're saving a couple bucks, hopefully. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the other webinar is, again, like you said, it's plants uh, specifically for the holidays, and that's Tuesday, November 15th from 7 to 9 p.m. Sketch One Time. Again, $20 plus tax. So um, in this webinar, they're just going to talk about how specifically you can grow and care for traditional holiday plants, um, such as amaryllis. So I can't say it. Amaryllis. I can't say amaryllis. that. Amaryllis. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. My brain isn't working. Uh, Crick. Christmas cactus, poinsettias, holly, mistletoe, and of course, a live Christmas tree. Um, so yeah, so kind of a fun, you know, maybe uh, take away something and learn a little bit about uh, how to, to care for those. Um, they're also going to touch on a few other things like the importance of um, feeding birds in the wintertime and how that can, you know, it's a positive for the ecosystem. Um, they're going to touch on how to do a little bit of... Um, uh, Christmas uh, wreaths and that sort of thing and something called I lost it here um, just a few uh, ice candles I'm not really sure but that sounds oh, intriguing yeah, yeah so different that. things yeah so different things that you can maybe make, uh, make with your kids and they're also going to highlight some um, su gift suggestions for the, the avid gardener in your life that you might want to uh, consider um, looking into for Christmas so um, again they'll have access to the recording and um, the website is uh, gardening.usac. Oh my gosh, my my brain is working. Uh, gardening.usac.ca. 
and that you can register for both there on their website. And they do have a quick thing. I didn't realize this or I forgot. Um, Saskatchewan, they don't observe um, daylight savings time. So right. they said to be mindful on that to make sure you get the right time for the, mm-hmm. for the webinar if you go there. So. Gee, I wonder when the rest of us are going to catch up with them. I think it's an awfully good idea. Oh, absolutely. I know. I know. That's going to be coming up soon, isn't it? Yeah. So confusing. Yes. I think at the beginning of November. Gosh. You know, I got to say, I love with these two workshops, um, the, well, with the second one, especially, sorry, that there's the gardening part of it, the growing, the maintaining, the, the holiday part, and then the crafts and then the gift making, like the, all from beginning to the very last bit of your gardening, um, for the holidays, there's nice ways to utilize what you've grown. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You go outside and, 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 and use your own. Yeah, exactly. Your own plants yeah. and, and what you have. And I just, I, I'm actually, it's a two hour work webinar and I'm just going to be amazed at how they're going to get through all this. It just, uh, oh, gosh, it might I'm be kidding. one of those ones you have to rewatch it uh, again, but yeah, it sounds really yes. cool. And it's a it good really reminder does. too, for right now with anybody having, you know, pumpkins and other like live decorations for for the holidays how things can be used afterwards or even um during uh, when you're done other than just tossing things into compost oh absolutely yeah that's actually that's an amazing point yeah well, oh, we always made it. what we used to call jack-o'-lantern pie. You'd take the, the Halloween jack-o'-lantern and, you know, the day after you'd cook it down and turn it into pumpkin pie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it tastes a little like candles, but other than that, it's okay. <laughs> Wash it down with a cup of coffee and you're good. You're and you're good. good. Absolutely. Now, I'm really intrigued to find out about the alpacas. Sylvan Alpacas Christmas Open House. What's that about? Yeah, so this is taking place. I have a bit of a thing for, for this. Um, um, I love all animals, but these guys are so cute. So this is their Christmas Open House. It's taking place Sunday, November 27th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Now, they're located uh, just outside of Park, Will- Park Hill, Ontario, which is about an hour away from London, kind of the Grand Bend vicinity sort of thing. Um, and basically they're a small alpaca farm. Um, and they now they, they kind of grew in popularity, I think, through social media. Now they actually have alpaca walk and talks. So you can um, <laughs> book, book a tour. Yeah, so walk and talk. <laughs> so you can go for a little stroll with the alpacas. And I think you have to have a minimum of two people. Um and, you know, you can kind of uh, learn learn all about them and uh, how the farm works and stuff like that. Um, so this is a good opportunity. It's a free event, so you can go. Um, Santa will be there for the kids. So if they want to have Santa and alpaca pictures with their kids, or you can do selfies, that sort of thing, because the alpacas will be out and about. Um, they're going to have free hot to- chocolate, and they're going to have, uh, there's going to be like a food vendor available for folks feel like having something to eat. And they also do have a, a lovely store. Um, so if people feel like getting something a little bit different for Christmas, their, their, uh, uh, store will be open as well. Um, and they have sweaters, hats, mittens, gloves, that sort of thing. Actually, my mom and I, my sister lives near there and I got a lovely pair of gloves left Christmas. And the thing is, they're so beautiful. I'm afraid to wear them, which is really silly, but. (laughs) (laughs) And are they made of alpaca wool? Yeah. Yeah. All the products in their store are, are, yeah. Yeah. Very warm and very soft. Oh yeah. So soft. Alpaca wool. That's beautiful stuff. Yeah. It feels so comfortable. That's wonderful. Oh, absolutely. I wonder if, if these uh, walk and talks in, include showing you how they, they uh, spin the, the, the yarn. 
That's sounds like a actually great that's day. a really good question. That's a really good question. I, I was on their website and I know they have you know often questions and answers and and how it works. But and to be honest, I'm not sure if they outsource it or if they do it there. That's a really good question, but they would have that information for sure. That's Um, very cool. Well, thank you so much. I really uh, enjoyed listening to all these things that we can be doing, Annette. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I think if you know if you you can find somebody to to go with you and go for a nice drive, I think it'd be. Hopefully, it'll be a nice sunny day. Um, And oh, sorry, the website is s y l v a n a l p a c a s dot com for more information. If you want to check it out. That's great. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk with you again. Annette Dennis is our community reporter in London, Ontario. Take care. Thank you. It's always great getting our community reports in. And especially, uh, you know, these days, a lot of what's being brought on is um, available as an online webinar, you know, as some of these things were. And that's really fun, too, because then across the country, we can take part and learn how to... uh, care for some of these Christmas and holiday plants. So fun. All right, we're going to take a break and come back with a conversation on orientation and mobility. What are some of these inaccessible environments out there and how can we deal with them with today's tools? That's with Mark Rankin after the break. It's the Monday edition of Kelly and Company here on AMI-audio. And we're going to throw to a conversation that Kelly and I had with our orientation and mobility specialist, Mark Rankin. This is a really good one. Um, and it it leads us into the same kinds of discussions we've been having here on the show today about technology and what's out there and how we're all coming together um, to you know understand technology better. So let's take a listen. As it's the third Monday of the month, oh, I totally lied. It's the fourth Monday of the month. We are talking to our orientation and mobility specialist, Mark Rankin. And this is only our second conversation with him on Kelly and Company, but we're going to get into a lot of things. Mark, today you wanted to kind of have an overall conversation about accessibility challenges when it comes to blindness, low vision, the whole thing. And when it comes to orientation and mobility, how technology has evolved to deal with some of these challenges. Is that right? Yeah. Um, because, you know, what I see is that in the built environment, I mean, as an O&M, a lot of what we do is kind of create hacks around inaccessible features in the environment. Um, some of those hacks now are easier for us because technology um, has kind of filled in where previously we'd have to do a lot of thinking and problem solving with folks. So I kind of want to talk about technology um, within that context. And it was always put on the back of the individual yourself or the person you're working with to kind of figure out what best works A for them, B in this circumstance and see what the, wherever the venue is, will allow you to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, if, if, you know, talking to the two of you, um, if I say, you know, what does, when you think about accessibility in the built environment, what do you think of? Um, what comes to mind for you? What sort of barriers do you see? Well, as a person with low vision, I can think of um, 
a couple of different things, especially the difference between day and night. So I can use a lot of my vision while I'm traveling during the day. And even with my cane, I can kind of be using my cane, but also relying on information visually. Uh, whereas nighttime, I'm paying attention to so much more, you know, slope and shoreline and traffic and noise level and lighting and distraction and um, all kinds of things, which, you know, overall just talks to the, the confidence of my day and night traveling. Mm. At night always used to be more of an issue for me. My vision has gotten poor. I, I would say sudden sound if there's construction going on. I mean, people, you know, standing, you having to navigate around them or objects, obviously is something you really can't do much about. Um, so I think for me, it's, 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 a, it's sound and inability if there's construction or something that makes you have to stop and not knowing that's going to be there uh, and making you have to do things you don't normally do. So when I say by that, rush or take a different route. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you're, you're illustrating like really nicely the sort of issues that come up. So Ram is talking about um, navigating and being able to use some func some level of functional vision. So, the visual environment's very important to her, like light levels, contrast, things like that. Uh, and then Kelly, you probably use a little bit more um, hearing when you're navigating. Sure. So uh, background noises are really, really <laughs> important on, on how you're able to relate to the environment. Yeah, the light These used to really do it. Like Rum says, right. I know that it used to really... But again, it threw me off enough that I just used my ears and other senses as best I could, but that little bit of vision, and I remember people saying to me, does it really make that much of a difference whether you could see what you could see or if you were totally blind, if you lost all your sight? I said, yeah, it's unbelievable how much that little bit coupled with sound cues helps. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. and that's, I think that that change is, is huge for, for clients who experience it because vision being so much the dominant sense, mm. um, we will hang on to it. Your brain is just programmed that way, right? So you'll you'll pay way more attention to awful vision <laughs> than you will to excellent hearing right. until there's really nothing left, right? right. So I integrating those two as, as they change is really hard. Um, but w when, when I talk to people in the general population, when I ask about, you know, what do you think of when you think of about, you know, accessibility issues or, or, or barriers in, in the environment and the typical answer is ramps. Like, oh, thank God we have ramps. Mm. Because beyond that, basic physical barrier which is fairly obvious. Um, people don't even think of elevators, actually, as an accessibility feature, right? But they, they certainly are. There's so um, little of them compared to how many we need. But that's a different yeah. side note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but we don't, you know, we don't not... I When I first started as an orientation mobility specialist, I had... Within the first year or two I was working... Um, I had somebody as a client who used, was, was going to a local gym. This is kind of what put accessibility a kind of for, foremost in my mind. Um, and the, the diversity of, of what it means for, for people depending on their, their travel needs and their disabilities, et cetera. Um, so she had been, uh, she had joined a local gym. She had retinitis pigmentosa. So she was losing her vision, um, and, you know, with that condition, you, you generally start, because it's peripheral field loss, you, you, uh, you lose your rods in, in, in your retina, and then you, you start to have difficulties in low light, mm -hmm. typically night blindness, we'll say. 
she didn't identify yet as somebody with vision loss. She was talking to me about, you know, do I need a cane at some point? I'm starting to restrict how much I go out at night because it's really scary to me, but I don't feel like I'm I'm ready to identify to everybody that I, I have this, this vision loss. So, um, you know, while we're discussing that, she we had that massive um, blackout all across North America, right? And during the blackout, they were running a spinning class. That's That's what she was interested in this particular gym. And everyone loved spinning in the dark for some reason. So they got really excited and they decided that they were going to have all their spinning, their stationary bike classes in the dark. Which great if you can still see in, in low light. But for her, it was horrible because what she would do is she, she walks in and so she th- can't see where she's going. She, can't, she can sort of make out where the bikes are and where the gaps are in them. And so she starts walking and trying to kind of listen to see if she can hear, you know, whether there's a pedal spinning on one bike or not. But they play music at the same time in these, you know, they get everybody hyped up and she can't hear anything with that. So she ends up just walking out. So she talked to the gym and she said, can you just put the lights back on? <laughs> Doesn't seem like a crazy request, but, you know, can you put the lights back on? And they said, well, you know what we asked, our, you know, we asked our, our other clients and they, they just love it. So no. She said, but I can't, I can't go to these classes. <laughs> They're now inaccessible for me. Like, that doesn't feel fair. They said, well, then why don't you ask the instructor if they'll turn the lights on for you when you get to the class? She said, well, then that kind of amounts to me either saying in front of everybody that I'm the party kind of right. party spoiler. I want the lights on. Or I've got, you know, if I want to kind of justify it I, I, I have to disclose that I have a that I have vision loss and I don't I don't want to do that I don't mm. think I should have to do that you know um, fight that battle every time I want to attend a class it should be accessible to everybody mm. and that's where I, I, I said to her you know if, if there were a class that you wanted to go to and there were steps getting up to it and you said we need a ramp there it would make sense to everybody immediately because that's kind of their frame of reference um so that was where I sort of started to think about accessibility in kind of wider terms in terms of, you know, how poor a job uh, we tend to do as a society. Like even things like, you know, clear signage that's big enough, that has a nice contrast, a consistent font, things like that, that should be no-brainers or often, you know, just don't exist in the environment that we travel through. Um, so, you know... Because this is the case, um, you know, standards get better over time. So the stuff that's built now tends to be better than what was built in the past. Um, but it's it's never good enough, right? As as you probably see traveling through even new builds. Um, and so what's happened is technology's kind of stepped in, um, and now people have technology solutions that help you get around some of the you know the features that are lacking in the environment that would be helpful. So when I think about what's useful, I think about as an orientation mobility specialist, what's going to be um, helpful in terms of orientation, so sort of like wayfinding, and what's going to be helpful for the mobility end, which is sort of um, step-by-step avoiding obstacles, not stepping off curbs or falling in (laughs) in holes or whatever. and if you think of any device you have or any aid you use, they all kind of have that dual function. So people use a cane. Yes, the cane helps you, you know, detect obstacles in your path and walk around them. 
It can also be an orientation aid in that, you know, the, say the echo of the cane, the sound of that might alert you to features in the environment. Mm -hmm. So you might hear an echo when you're close to a wall or hear a different sound when you're going over an overhang or an awning. Yeah, it's, or, it, it's yeah, interesting, ahead. like the cane, because it's such a low-tech item, right, tool. Um, but mm -hmm. yet it's so versatile to help you hear, like you're saying, sometimes a, it's not even a real technique. Well, I guess it is if you break it down, but you're just kind of tapping around to see what's what's there, uh, what's around you, obstacles, or uh, sometimes even just putting my the ha handle of my cane out to know how far out, let's say something I'm trailing is, right? Like using my mm -hmm. hands to trail. So there's so much to use. And now with the development of all these other like high tech tools, um, there's definitely so much out there to be able to use in combination for good mobility and orientation. Yeah. So the, the for a long time, we've had sort of basic um, things that I would call kind of more like a mobility aid, which are kind of obstacle detection sort of stuff. And the technology is fairly old. You know, it uses something like ultrasound. It sends out a little a signal and then it, it encounters something and it tells you by either by a tone or by a vibration how close that thing is to you. Mm -hmm. um, so there's still versions that, that exist today and they're, you know, like the, the, the Sunu band is one. So it's a band you wear around your arm and it has a little sensor at the front that'll detect obstacles in your way as you get closer, the vibration or the beep speed up. Uh, the buzz clip is another one that you can mount on a cane or, or clip onto your, um, your clothing. It's been a really good one during COVID because you can set it, one of the ranges is about two meters, which is roughly six feet. So people could tell if they were six feet away from someone. You know, if you're in a line, you could, when it stops buzzing, you know that they've, they're, they're, they're now just two meters in front of you. So um, it had its uses. And then the Wee Joaquin um, is, a, is a sort of a newer one, um, and it has some obstacle detection built into a cane. Then on the other side, you have more of the orientation aids. So those would be things like GPS aids that are come as features uh, apps on the phone, like Soundscape, um, Blind Square, Lazarillo, Nearby Explorer. Um, the Wee Joaquin also has a, a GPS function. Um, and then there's specialized devices like the, the Victor Reader Trek. Uh, right. And there's a new one called the Stellar Trek that HumanWare has. And we're obviously not going to get through all of it because there's a local, there's international, there's development, and there's feedback that people are getting for apps and things like that. But, Mark, this is a really great place to start because, um, you know, every month we'll get into something different. But this whole overall picture of what O&M looks like today uh, is a real interesting perspective just to get everybody on board so thank you so much and we'll wrap there and we'll talk to you next month sounds good mark rankin is our orientation and mobility specialist joining us on the fourth monday of each month this was a fantastic conversation we know that um, mark rankin when he Previously joined us on Kelly and Company in the past, he's um, gotten some friends from Microsoft Soundscape and others to come on and talk directly about the development of these kinds of technology, wayfinding being a very uh, particular one that you know us in the blind vision community lean into uh, because it's just more wayfinding, more uh, orientation and mobility. And the more that we can feel confident and independent and able out there and it's it's a a great perspective actually to kind of talk about the environmental inaccessibilities out there but to sort of kind of take things into our own hand and say well how can we kind of juggle that 
uh, except that it's there, but juggle and move around it, if you will. Pretty great. Pretty great conversation with Mark and looking forward to the future ones up ahead. After the break, we have Know Your Rights with Daniel McLaughlin, and we're taking a discussion on changing health information, uh, all kinds of information that's changing out there. So we're going to chat about what that is after the break on Kelly and Company. Every Monday here on Kelly and Company, we get into some deep discussions about rights. And usually when Danielle's on the show, regardless, we get to some deep discussion uh, about rights anyway. So it started in segment one, uh, and now we're going to have a more formal conversation about things that are going on. So let's get into some Know Your Rights with myself, Ramia Amadin, and Danielle McLaughlin. Let's examine questions that can't be answered by a simple yes or no. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, when we talk about how freedoms collide on Know Your Rights. So, Danielle, the focus is going to be on changing health information. And this is because, yet again, governments are changing the requirements set out to protect us from the continuous pandemic. And yet again, we have some important questions to ask about these changes. So let's talk about this case. Um in the case of a disabled child in residential care uh, went to court recently. So can you tell us about this? Yeah, it's in in my view, this this case really tells you something about the um, conflict between uh, what people used to call group rights and individual rights. Uh, this the the story is about a, a young lad who has multiple disabilities and he is living in residential care. His family, however, visits him very regularly, and they're responsible um, for making medical decisions and other decisions on, on his behalf. The residential care facility decided that um, they could not allow uh, his family to visit during COVID, that it would be too great a risk for him and for the other residents in the the care facility, but they offered um, like Zoom meetings with the family and other uh, kinds of contact where the family wouldn't actually physically be there. Now, this is a child who really has very, he's, he's nonverbal. He uh, is not able to necessarily focus on a screen. And the family said that he was being discriminated against by the home where he was because they were not accommodating his disability. They were not um, providing what his needs were specifically. The uh, Human Rights Tribunal agreed with the family. They said that uh, the you know that that this child needed to be accommodated in the way in which his particular disability required. The um, residential care facility disagreed. And after the decision came down from the human rights tribunal, they went to court to challenge it. And they said um, that actually their primary uh, purpose was to protect all the residents in the, the care facility, which they could not do if this child's, if they made an exception for this child's family, um, even though that might be what he needed, it would actually endanger the others. 
um, and the court agreed with uh, the residential facility to say that this was this was the the purpose. And you can see that you really have a conflict of rights here. You have the the family who says we know what our child needs he needs to be able to touch us he needs needs to be able to know that we're in the room with him and that this is critical for his proper care and for his enjoyment of life the facility says yeah we understand that you know he he's an important person but so is everybody else in, in the facility and our primary purpose here is to make sure that everybody is okay um, and we know that during the height of COVID, that residential facilities of many kinds, particularly those for seniors, uh, cut off visits and they made um, masking, uh, you know, for all staff, vaccination for all staff and, and for residents crucial. So this was um, something Don't that happened. A minute of Kelly and Company. We'll be happening. back. Oops. <laughs> yeah, we're still, okay. we're still here, Danielle. <laughs> okay. I wasn't sure what, whether I had been, you know, booted off the no, air. You're, you weren't booted <laughs> no. off. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, uh, last week, um, last Wednesday, actually, the uh, Ministry of Health very, very quietly lifted requirements for masking in seniors' care facilities so that... Um, you know, they didn't make a big announcement. Now, you have to understand that what is happening right now with COVID, this pandemic is not over. Uh, in fact, it is on the rise in certain areas. And we do know that seniors remain and others who live in residential care remain very vulnerable. And yet, for political reasons, seemingly, the government has said, no, you don't really need to uh, mask any longer. This is despite what we know about this particular um, pandemic, about, about COVID-19. It is airborne. Um, if we have the situation where this, the, the family of this child has been told, um, you know, sorry, it's way too important to protect all the residents of, of his care facility so you don't get an exemption for his particular uh, disabilities and his needs. And then the government turns around and says, oh, by the way, we don't need to mask any longer when we visit people. And, you know, up to four people at a time can be in a resident's room visiting and, um, you know, everything's just fine. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we are really being given very conflicting messages at the moment. So, you know, how one of the questions we we have to ask when we look at a case like the the one of this child is that, you know, how else can a family like his deal with this kind of conflict? Are there other ways of uh of going about things and what do we say about how policies are being made? Should we say that that policies when they deal with accommodation, should look only at the individual needs of each person separately? Or should we be saying, well, we can't do that. It's just too onerous to, to look at each individual person's needs. We need to look at the community as a whole. So, you know, this it goes back and forth like a yo-yo. Um, you know, the, the, the family really wants what is best for their child. 
And obviously, as a resident in this particular uh, care facility, they understand that what is best for the care facility will have a strong impact on what is best for their child. And yet these things may not agree with one another. And we have to ask, is it politics? Is it science? Or what are the primary um, values that we need to look at? And I'm, I just want to set out right here, there is no right answer to this. Um, when a court makes a decision, uh, that decision becomes something we must abide by. It doesn't become something we agree with necessarily. You are perfectly free to disagree with a government, with what a court has to say, um, and you can change these things using the processes that we have in democracies. So, you know, if the family um, sees the court decision and says, you know, I think the court has made a, a wrong decision here. It's our child's needs that are primary that we really need to have the care facility look after. Um, and if it means that we can take all the precautions that are necessary, we'll gown, we'll wear masks, we'll, you know, come in the back door if, if that's helpful, we'll see our child in a separate room that is not accessible to other people who live in that facility. You know, we'll do whatever we can to protect everybody, but we will not um, fail to come in to visit him because this is something that is so important to his care and his development and his sense of, of, um, of you know, who he is, uh, of how he is to be valued. Should we say that or should we say, you know, rules is rules as, as, you know, they used to say in schools, just because something is a rule doesn't mean it's right. And, you know, we really need to understand the science. If somebody says to you, you may not do this because of safety, you're going to want to ask, well, how does that impact on safety? And whose safety does this impact on? So when the government decided last week to lift all of the requirements for masking in, um, in long-term care homes, should we have been saying, um, well, my particular relative is highly vulnerable, you know, has a pre-existing condition, and therefore I feel that you've created a situation for my relative that makes them, um, you know, that endangers their, their health and their safety? Or should we say, well, the government says that uh, COVID isn't as serious now that everybody's being vaccinated and um, you can still wear a mask if you want to. We just can't require anyone to be masked. And that's good enough that uh, this is as, as, as far as we're planning to reach when it comes to protecting um, the people who live here. Are you going to say, well, that's all very well for the people in quotes, but when it comes to my family member, it's not good enough. You, you can see that we go back and forth over this. So, you know, these are conflicting messages. Um, one of the issues that, that I found concerning before we started realizing that COVID is now again on the rise is it was very hard to get data on what the actual uh, numbers were like. And as you yourself have pointed out, Ramya, um, it's not that easy to get tests all the time. And the tests that people are getting for COVID tend to be the ones that you do at home. 
And these are not reported into any particular uh, government data collection. So you may know that you've had COVID three times. Your doctor may not know that. Right. And 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 public health may not know that it may be something that you've just managed to deal with on your own and that's the end of of the story only when you end up in hospital and god forbid any of us you know ends up in hospital but you know if if you do end up in hospital then you're a data point and that information is collected so we can see uh, hospitalizations, we can see numbers of COVID patients in the ICU, and we can see deaths. But when it comes to actual numbers of, of people with COVID, we don't really know. So when the government decided to lift precautions in schools, so children are not required to wear masks, teachers are not required to wear masks, we've all heard stories about children whose families want them to be masked, but the other kids are making fun of them for for wearing masks or or they're you know they're being told oh you that's silly you don't need that any longer um we don't know the data coming out of schools because no one's collecting it we so you know if if the science says in order to make a scientific decision and and in, we need to be well informed and in order to be well informed we need to collect data and the government says well you know on the whole, we look at wastewater. And, um, you know, when the wastewater uh, uh, um, tests for COVID are way up, then we can assume that there's, that there's a problem. There's a bit of a lag time here. And the question is, could my family member or could I have been prevented from becoming ill if it were known that there was an ongoing problem and we should be doing something about it? We should be wearing masks. It's, you know, we should be having HEPA filters in classrooms. Um, these things might be inconvenient, but they're nowhere near as inconvenient as becoming critically ill. Uh, that's very inconvenient. So, you know, when we go back to the story of, of the child in, in the care home, I don't know if that's the end of the story. I don't know if the family plans to appeal the court's decision or not. Um, if we, as people who live in the communities, ask questions about on what basis are decisions being made, whose best interests are we putting first, I think we're going to have a clearer picture. But as long as media keeps us from knowing the data, um, as long as the data aren't being collected, uh, we're in some difficulty. Um, so... I'm going to ask you, Ramia, what do you think we should do to protect ourselves when we're being confused by what seem to be mm. conflicting messages? Well, as conflicting as it is, Danielle, I think the most important uh, aspect is to keep informed, right? And keep informed, as you've been pointing out, of the rules um, that are out there, because it's more frustrating um, when you've not understood or accepted that these are the the changes that have happened and uh it can probably lead you into some trouble and unfortunately like you said we don't always agree with what is happening but because it's so changeable like the the environment itself um of living through covid as is the biggest example um it's unfortunately you know like we're learning as we go. People are making decisions, whether we agree with them or not, as we go. And we're still 
just now getting into what we could even accept as, you know, long term information, right? Or mm-hmm. findings. Yeah. 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 So, you know, are, are we happy with, uh, you know, what some have said is good enough information? To be honest with you, the the first data that I was able to find, and I was searching for it through all of the Canadian media, the first data was from the New York Times on on Canada. Wow. And I thought, wow, you know, how is it that they are getting access to world, they had, I mean, it wasn't the only country they were reporting on, but they, you know, they were uh, reporting on Canada among other countries. And I'm thinking, well, they seem to know an awful lot more than, um, you know, than our local media is reporting. Should we be, should we be doing something about this? So, you know, I, I think that, that we really just need to keep ourselves informed. We need to find out what is the best way to protect those who are vulnerable in our communities. And if the rule says you don't have to worry about that, you have to worry about that. Yeah, absolutely. Danielle, always uh, learning something here on Know Your Rights and considering, considering information in different perspectives. Thank you so much for bringing this to us. Thank you, Ramia. Danielle McLaughlin joining us for Know Your Rights and also co-hosting the show along with me today. After the break, we're going to come back, wrap up the show and find out some of what's happening on tomorrow's shows on AMI-audio. But we've got lots and lots for you to highlight or check out as we highlight for you on your favorite podcast platform from today's show. We'll be right back. Wrapping up Kelly and Company here as we reach closer to 4 p.m. Eastern time. Of course, 2 to 4 p.m. is our live airing of Kelly and Company. And every eight hours, you can hear twice more the show. And if you want to just check out the content on your own time, then you can, of course, go to your favorite podcast platform and download the content there. And if you'd like to rate and subscribe to the podcast, we'd appreciate it. You can even leave a comment or two also. Now, we'd love to send you off with some highlights of today's show that you can uh, listen to or share. Danielle, we'll start with you. Well, I really loved hearing Sean of the Shed. Um, first of all, he's just a delightful person to, to hear from. But the amount he knows about all of these uh, technologies and how they work and, you know, who they will benefit is really wonderful. Uh, he's, you know, I... I May not be in need of something right now, but if I if I were, I know who to go to. He really he really does, and he makes it lively too, doesn't doesn't he? He's yes. he's just a rather charming and so informative and helpful. Of course, I mean all of our friends uh, who talk technology on AMI. Now it's not to say my audio anymore, but uh, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest and Marka Flalo, everyone does such a wonderful job um, inviting you into the 
the discussions and really, as Sean put out there, uh, asking you what you want to learn about, how you want to learn about it. And if you have suggestions, please chime in. And that's what I think makes this bigger and better every day, Danielle, because there's so much to take part in if you wish. And even if you're a little bit hesitant, resistant to the the conversations around technology, I think Sean um, will take you there slowly. So it's really lovely. <laughs> but I gently. Know that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's exactly. great. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was a lovely discussion. Um, also, talking a little bit about a case going on in sports right now with Brock Richardson was interesting, you know, highlighting um, people's onus on the, the drugs that they've been tested for and found positive. So like, you know, we talked a little bit about it, whether you agree or not, and whether you're on the side of this athlete or not is um, really one, one angle of discussion. But the, the rest of it is, you know, are you, how are you being held accountable? And is it harsh? Or is it just fair, right? Like, there's all these rules and uh, we talked rules on know your rights, too. But uh, all these rules and and what kind of information that you absolutely sign off on before uh, being considered a a carded athlete and um, when you're when you go big league this is part of it so he he went into details Brock about the um, the they call it the the consequences and the appeal yeah. process and all of these different things but it was definitely an engaging discussion so it check wasn't. that out I really appreciated the part where, you know, he was trying to figure out, you know, should you know exactly what you're putting in your body and, and you know, helpful at finding resources so that you know whether things are forbidden or not. I mean, that makes yeah. an awful lot of sense. Yeah, it, it really does. All right. Those are two discussions, plus a couple more that you can go check out on your favorite podcast platform for Kelly and Company. And after a week of missing us and us missing him, Paul Daniel, one of the producers on Now with Dave Brown, is back to give us a proper preview. You know, we did our we did our best while he was gone, but he's going to give us a real preview of what's coming up on the next day. Tomorrow's edition of Now with Dave Brown starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Paul, welcome back. I hope you're feeling better. Well, a lot better. That's a long introduction. My goodness. My I goodness. know. Okay. I you deserve <laughs> it. There's a week of introductions missed. Yeah, at least. On tomorrow's show, we'll find out about a physical keyboard called the Hable One, meant to make using your smartphone more accessible. Lawrence Gunther will tell us about why more Canadians are considering using bidets as an alternative to toilet paper. <laughs> He'll make the environmental case. I kid you not. And it's Tuesday, so we'll have our weekly news quiz. Okay. Lots of stuff going on there. It's a very earthy show. It's a very earthy show. (laughs) (laughs) It is a very earthy show. I'm sure you enjoyed putting it together. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Paul Daniels, one of the producers on Now with Dave Brown. You can check out their show, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-TV with Dave Brown. Uh, And if you're listening tomorrow, I'll tell you um, the preview of what's coming up on that edition of Kelly and Company. But I'll give you a sneak peek right now, too. Danielle, I'm off tomorrow at least during the show, but you'll be back with Kelly. So you guys have a great uh, two hours. We will. Thank you so much. I'll miss you, but uh, it's always fun with Kelly. Of course. Yes. We'll see who's more fun when we tally it up at the end of the week. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back together later. Okay. That's right. That's right. Jealousy is not warranted here. Danielle McLaughlin (laughs) joining us uh, to guest co-host. And on tomorrow's edition of Kelly and Company, if you'd like to shiver in fear about Halloween with the safety of your own 
couch. You can do that with Danielle Johnkind because she's going to talk about some animal characters featured on famous and popular TV shows, books, movies. That's going to be a real fun discussion because she's putting comedy in that agenda too. Also, nutritionist Julia Caranches is talking about junk food alternatives that will make us feel good because they're healthier, but of course satisfy our salt cravings, our sweet tooth. So she's got a lot of um, examples to share with us tomorrow. And we're also talking to community reporter, um, community reporter Tony Frymark from Medicine Hat because there are a lot of things going on over there. Excited to see what she has in store. And we have our book club of the month. We're reviewing After Steve, how Apple became a trillion dollar company and lost his soul by Trip Mickle. And the recommender of the book was Stephen Scott. <laughs> 